Do you have deals stuck inside your sales funnel? Are you struggling to open doors inside your target accounts? If so, you're going to enjoy my conversation today with Christina Jaramillo about the personalized approach to account-based marketing. Are you ready to accelerate the growth of your business? Welcome to the Revenue Growth Podcast. This is the place for business owners, sales leaders, and marketing professionals to get ideas and inspiration to drive exponential revenue growth. Each week, you'll get actionable insights from the world's leading marketing and sales thought leaders and practitioners. Are you ready to grow? Let's join our host, Daryl Amy, author of Revenue Growth Engine. Welcome back to the Revenue Growth Podcast on C-Suite Radio, the world's largest business podcast network. I'm your host, Daryl Amy, trailblazer and growth architect. I enjoy helping generous leaders grow their revenue and their impact. Today, you're going to hear about a personalized approach to account-based marketing from our friend Christina Jaramillo, president of PersonalABM.com. She's going to share strategies to get into target accounts and keep things moving through your funnel. This year is off to a great start. Right now, I'm seeing sales and marketing professionals work together to drive growth. You know, this is the time for creativity, strategy, and alignment. At the Revenue Growth Podcast, my goal is to continually bring you ideas to help you align marketing and sales to accelerate your growth. To help with this, we have an exciting challenge coming up. The details are in the final stages, but let me say, if you are in sales or marketing, you are going to be excited about what we are cooking up. Stay tuned for information on the sales and marketing alignment challenge. I can't wait to share with you the exciting lineup we have planned for this event. Well, today we are going to explore the topic of personalized account-based marketing with Christina Jaramillo, president of PersonalABM.com. She shares with us what to do with accounts that get stuck in the funnel and don't close. We'll talk about how sales and marketing can help prospects break free of the status quo. She'll also share some real-world success stories of how a personalized ABM approach is helping companies win. Plus, we'll explore the power of social networks inside the ABM strategy. You're going to get a lot from this conversation with Christina. So grab a pen and a notepad and get ready to learn after a brief word from our sponsors. Christina, welcome to the Revenue Growth Podcast. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having me, Daryl. I appreciate it. This is going to be a very interesting conversation today, and I'm so glad uh, that you got to share time with us. You are passionate about account-based marketing, but not just account-based marketing, personalized account-based marketing. Unpack that for us for a moment. You know, um, I've seen over the last couple of years, maybe even longer, that account-based marketing has kind of turned into account-based advertising, account-based awareness. It's pretty much campaign-focused. Mm -hmm. um, and we like to take the personal approach to it um, so that you're talking one-to-one -to, -one to people as opposed to one-to-many or one-to-a-few. And the personal ABM approach is, you know, you're talking to 
people, uh, including relevance to their company, their rank, their personal level, and their customer level. So it's getting down to the nitty gritty of what's really important to them as a person, as opposed to what might be important to them as a persona or even at an industry level. Yeah. And, you know, right now, I mean, so many things, I love that differentiation between talking to a person versus a persona. There's Mm -hmm. a big difference. And a lot of it starts to show up um, as things get stuck in the funnel. So many companies have things stuck in the funnel right now. Yeah, I think people are stuck or companies or orgs or selling conversations get stuck because there's not that relevance to them. Like they don't see themselves in the stories that sales and marketing or maybe even account management teams are, um, you know, are sharing. So a lot of information that's being shared, particularly by marketing, is is product and feature based or it's about the organization and their services and their solutions, but it's not really about the audience they're looking to uh, attract or even the exact account they're looking to attract. So if you have messaging that speaks to them particularly, like you name the organization and you know exactly what target you're you're looking to uh, focus on, it's going to be a easier to get them through the funnel and not have them stuck so much. Yeah. You know, it is interesting because we were talking beforehand about just how so much of, of sales and marketing is reacting to those pain points that, you know, the I don't know, 10 for 15% of the market that's actively looking has. But as I say in Revenue Growth Engine, you know, stop looking for leads and start looking for engagement. You already know who your ideal prospects are. Um, so let's figure out rather than wait for a fish to swim by, you know, let's go out and we know who these accounts are we want to go get. Let's let's go out and let's figure out what's going on with the decision makers and influencers in those specific accounts. And let's craft a a plan to go after them on a a one-to-one basis. Yeah, absolutely. When when you're speaking to reacting and connecting to predefined needs and specific capabilities, it makes it commodity messaging. So Mm -hmm. you make the conversation either a price-based conversation, which is something your competitors are no doubt having, um, and you're just responding to the same insights and similar capabilities, maybe just worded differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in order to get these organizations stuck or ensure that they don't unstuck, excuse me, or ensure that they don't leave the funnel is t- to make sure that the value proposition that you are speaking to is what's specific to them mm-hmm. um, as opposed to what you think it might be or what other companies that look like that particular organization um, are generally what's specific to them. So that's, if it's not presented that way, then that you're going to sound like all your competition and it's going, again, make that price-based conversation where they're just going to say, where can I get the most features and benefits for the least, um, you know, the least price? So, and instead of making it about a value that they would achieve. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just, it ends up being like static noise that never makes it through the filter. And I, I think your perspective is really interesting um, from the standpoint of, you know, the reality is, and I've always firmly believed the biggest competitor out there is the status quo. You know, if you look at, you know, and when it comes to growing revenue right now, um, the status quo is a pretty attractive, um, a pretty attractive competitor, especially in an age of uncertainty and, you know, all the dynamics going around. And I think it's really incumbent upon us, especially in this make or break year of 2021, that as marketing and sales professionals, we find ways to break through the status quo. And that's going to require more than just the, status quo, average, persona-based 
plan, it's going to require us really drilling into the specific personalized needs of these uh, target accounts and the decision makers in those target accounts. So coach us a little bit, like where, where do you get started? How do you start this journey? If, if someone's listening in and going, you know what, that, that really does make sense. Um, we're kind of throwing stuff out there at a persona level, hoping some of it sticks. How do you, how do you coach companies to begin that transition of thinking about account-based personalized account-based marketing? Well, I think you have to identify first the uh, top maybe two, three dozen accounts, or maybe even start with 50 accounts and then whittle it down to two to three dozen accounts that you think are going to have the most opportunity for growth, most opportunity Mm -hmm. for revenue, going to be like your big target accounts. Um, And also figure out if you want to start with winning new accounts? Do you want to expand accounts that you already have? Or do you want to protect accounts that maybe are at risk or are kind of maybe stuck in status quo with you and not could be considering leaving or shrinking their their um, um, their engagement with you or their, account, mm-hmm. um, their mm-hmm. program with you? So once you've identified who you're going to target first, then you have to almost develop like mini campaigns or mini programs for each of those targets. And that's how you can get the personal relevance because if you're, say, targeting technology group, so you're going to target the CTO and then the director of of IT maybe, and Mm -hmm. maybe another few people in there, they're all going to have collective KPIs, but the CTO's KPIs are going to be very different for his personal role and his particular um, objectives than the director. So you have to make sure that you're addressing and speaking to all those different people at what's important to them. Yeah, and I love that. I love uh, one of the things that you said was um, as we were talking before the show, you were talking about shifting from a kind of a campaign-based focus to more of a interaction focus. What does that What does that mean to you? So, I, getting back to what I think traditional ABM is is more campaign-based, where it's just kind of we identified maybe 100, 500 companies that we're going to target um, mm-hmm. and send them all the same messaging. When you're focusing on interactions, you're focusing on every little message, whether it's an invite to connect, uh, a telephone call, an email, you're sending them an article, you make it a little mini sales conversation because Mm. whether they interact with you or not, you're starting a dialogue in their mind, the prospect or buyer's mind, and how they're viewing you. So if you're giving them value at each little touch point and thinking of it as a sales conversation, then that's going to make it um, much easier for uh, to get all the way through the funnel and make sure yeah. that they don't get stuck like we were talking about earlier. Yeah, absolutely. That's I think that's an interesting way to look at it because a lot of times on the marketing side of of things, we kind of, you know, we pat ourselves on the back and go, hey, we ran these campaigns. We did, you know, we did X, Y, Z. We uh, executed these campaigns where when it comes down to these uh, these ideal target accounts that we're talking about, yeah, I mean, you can, we can pat ourselves on the back and say we we ran a campaign, but really what we're looking for is engagement and interaction. And we, I, I mean, it just common sense says we're going to get more engagement and interaction when we engage and interact on a personal level rather than a personal level with something that is specific and relevant to that target account, customized rather than, you know, just 
I think it's a new mindset for marketing professionals to say, you know what, maybe maybe we need to start evaluating ourselves more on um, engagement than just, hey, we we ran the campaign, you know. And um, I, how how do you track? How do you think about measuring success when you're thinking about engagement versus you know tr- traditional campaign metrics that we might have as marketing professionals? Yeah, I, I kind of think of it as every, how much how much closer are we getting to the end goal, which is revenue? Because if mm-hmm. you're engaging in anything in marketing, it has to be that your end goal is revenue. Otherwise, to me, what's the point? Then you're just going through the motions. So are we getting the prospect to think differently? Are we challenging their status quo? Are we giving them new things to think about that they haven't thought about? So, you know, a lot of salespeople tend to think about what's keeping their prospects up at night, I think a better question or a better way to address it is what should be keeping them up at night. What have they not considered? What is that Mm -hmm. unconsidered gap, that unconsidered issue that they are not, um, you know, that they're not thinking about that, Mm -hmm. that may be obvious to you, but maybe they hadn't considered. Um, And I think in order to to move away from these campaigns, we have to stop treating people like a number. Um, you know, and get away from those general pain points and assumptions, just so, like you said earlier, uh, hoping something's going to stick. We have to go even b- beyond personalization. I think we have to get personal where we speak to the human buyers, the accounts we want to win or want to grow or however we want to engage with them versus speaking at them. So I think a lot of campaigns use templates um, or use that generic messaging. So that's when you speak to people or excuse me, speak at people rather mm-hmm. than to them. That's the difference mm-hmm. between a personal approach. And then some people consider personalization, adding their role, rank, their name, their industry, but personal is when you speak to that human buyer. Yeah, that's really solid. That's so good. When you've got, some, you've got a ton of success stories in this and I, you know, it, it's, it's cool to talk about the concepts. I'm, I'm curious um, what are some what are some success stories that you've seen where companies have had that light bulb moment um, that they've said, you know what, maybe we do need to take more of a personalized approach rather than a campaign approach. Um, what's what's what are some stories that you've seen along the way where where this is actually transforming things for some organizations? Yeah, one of my favorites is um, a regional 3PL or a regional third-party logistics provider that we had. So mm-hmm. they're much smaller than a lot of people that they were competing with for this particular story for an RFP. Mm-hmm. Um, so they specialize in in distribution center management and then the, the software that goes around tracking warehouse and transportation um, you know, management solutions. So they had a longtime client. It was actually their largest client that, that was on the verge of, you know, going to a, a competitor. So this particular client happened to be Procter & Gamble, so P&G, something that they, the, our client, who's at 3PL, wanted to grow this particular account. Mm-hmm. Um, but the accounts team drove discussions at the director level. So they thought, oh, great, you know, we do have engagement. The, they love us. They love our solution. But those are the people that were using the actual solution as opposed to the people that were making the decisions. Mm. And what they were talking about at the director level was the activities that were being completed and general benefits and not about the gaps that this uh, 3PL fills and how it positively impacts different parts of the organization. So how did it impact operations? How did it mm-hmm. impact finance? How did it impact customers, employees, all the way down? And because they weren't having the right conversation that were either supported by content or messaging or case studies, 
they weren't being able to uh, prove their unique value and gain uh, future inroads throughout the company. And they weren't mm. showing where future opportunities lie. So they weren't able to drive that top to bottom engagement, which is needed when you're trying to protect an account, when you're trying to expand them. And they were having a hard time getting access to the VPs and the CXO um, at PNG. Mm-hmm. And their competitor in this case happened to be Ryder already had relationships at those decision-maker levels at PNG. They had close relationships they had learned along the way. Mm. Um, so this is something that they were addressing for three years. They were having this wrong conversation with PNG, and that's how they heard that you know they were most likely going to move to a larger, lower cost national provider because they wanted to have one person or one salute provider across the organization. Mm-hmm. And because it was their biggest client and their biggest uh, revenue growth potential, and they were about to lose it, they were freaking out, um, obviously. So to overcome this relationship gap that the larger competitor had, they decided to involve sales uh, because, and they also, sales and marketing, they were taking this personal approach. Mm-hmm. So where they started was on LinkedIn. They started with profiles, content, case studies, and even personal messaging for the uh, purpose, sole purpose, just for penetrating and growing PNG. So they had content and articles and everything was written exactly for PNG. It was addressing personal impacts to the company if they were to move to another provider. It was built for the selling conversation that sales wanted to have with PNG versus the um, conversation they were already having. Mm -hmm. And it also addressed the gaps that existed in their current business uh, PNG's current business and how this particular 3PL was the only provider that could fill those gaps. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the strategy was basically designed for the specifically for um, and only for PNG. Now, after that, they were able to rule it, um, roll it out to other organizations that were similar, but mm-hmm. this was the main focus at the time. And it's one of my favorite stories because it shows that a little guy can outbid or out outrun a larger competitor. I love it. I love it. You know, and it, it's interesting uh, because you think, and I have my sales hat on now, um, and uh, listeners to the show know that, you know, I am a recovering sales rep. I'm, I'm down to therapy twice a month. It's going pretty well. But, uh, you know, you have that, that sales hat on, and there's a tendency of sales professionals in some of these larger accounts, right, or key accounts, target accounts, enterprise, whatever that is, to go, I own the, I own this account with great relationship with, you know, ABC director or whatever, but you don't, you know, you fail to realize that there is a much bigger picture going on all around, um, you know, above and beside each one of these people in terms of how the service or product that you're providing affects that broader organization. And until you begin to be a part of those broader conversations, you don't own the account. You're actually very, very vulnerable. And so I love the mindset here of looking at key accounts, whether they're a target account or whether they're a current account that we want to grow in and maybe even leaning more to that second one and going, okay, what's our account-based marketing strategy in here? Um, you know, our account-based management strategy to go, what what can we do to make sure that we are engaging at all these different areas above and around our core offering? Because I guarantee you just, you know, I've, I've seen, I was in a conversation just this past week um, in a separate type of industry where, you know, the, the salespeople were like, yeah, we own this account. Well, you own this 
particular piece that uh, you, you fail to realize is connected to all these other pieces. And it's going to collapse like a house of cards around you if you don't have a plan. So I love that. I love the mindset. And it's very strategic. I think, you know, I think one of the things that we need to do, Christina, is we need to just look a whole lot more strategically at, um, at the businesses that we work with or want to work with. And it seems like this uh, part of this approach, this personalized ABM approach that you advocate for and help companies with, a lot of it is based on, um, let, me, let me see if I can express it, zooming out and understanding the core business problems, but also zooming in and understanding the specific issues related to each decision maker in that business. How, how, did I say that right? No, you know, absolutely. I, I think I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's it's just a matter of doing your due diligence, doing your research, doing your homework, making sure that whenever you get on any call or you get on a, sending an email or sending a message that it's personal to that per, to that individual. And it mentions mm-hmm. what they care about, why they should care about it and how it's going to make them better in their current role. It's going to have much stronger, um, stronger, you know, you'll achieve your goal faster and it, it'll think about it as a strategy, like you said, versus a tactic or an approach. If it's a strategy, you're going to have a better result. Yeah, no doubt. And it all, it reminds me of one of my favorite uh, books in the sales space, Kevin Davis's book, Slow Down, Sell Faster. And I think a lot of times you know, we have this mindset of going, I don't have time to do that. Well, when you're getting ready to lose your largest account, you're going to find the time. So why not, why not, uh, why not take that approach uh, all the time? Right. And why not take that approach all the time? Hey, as you know, one of the other uh, topics around this and one of the cool enabling technologies or, or uh, platforms, if you will, for personalized ABM is, is social and uh, social networks uh, of people and, and social, uh, media sharing stuff going on at individual companies that we can leverage. How does social fit into a personalized ABM strategy? How, do, how are you seeing folks integrate social to really uh, discover um, and communicate with these individuals and these accounts? I think social is a great tool, particularly we use um, or LinkedIn as our mm-hmm. mode of uh, a platform because we're in the B2B space. Mm-hmm. Um the problem I think is that people are are not using this IBM approach on LinkedIn or even other platforms correctly because I feel like a lot will just look up, let's say they use LinkedIn Sales Navigator, they're going to look up content or contacts within the key targets. So they'll get mm-hmm. maybe a dozen uh, key decision makers in a company they're looking at, and then they'll just send them a templated message and kind of hope that, again, something will stick. Um you know, but I think this is a perfect place to have your profile, any content that you're posting, whether it's a discussion or an article or a post back to a website and, and any messaging needs to speak to these target accounts. And again, the human buyers in those accounts. So you can't just have industry or maybe even company relevance. You need to go even further down into their rank, their role, uh, personal relevance to them, and then personal relevance to their customers. How is what you're offering or what your solution is? going to help all those different parts of what makes a person uh, a target. And I think, you know, your profile is one great place to start because this is where you can build trust. You can build a strong digital relationship if it has, you know, a few key items. 
and a, f- a few things that it mentions within it and it was also included in your messaging. I think there needs to be, um, you know, you need to demonstrate that you have a clear understanding of your target audience's business needs. So what is going on internally, externally, um, show that you have a clear understanding of their role and in mm-hmm. their part in the decision-making process. So maybe whether they're an influencer, whether they're the actual decision maker, whether they're, you know, have a vested interest in the actual process or where they are on that committee. And you have to go beyond that personalization and provide a personal message to, you know, that particular individual. You need to speak to that human uh, rather than at them. And then also share content that's applicable and relevant to the decision-making process. If it's just, you know, you're sharing content to share content or sharing um, features and benefit content, then how does it help them make their decision easier? How does it move them along? So I think you have to make sure that whatever you're sharing is starting with the selling conversations that you want to have with prospects, not what you think that they um, are interested in, or maybe even what has been traditionally happening from maybe your marketing um, or has been shared from your marketing department. And Mm -hmm. I think one last thing you have to think about is how can you build consensus with the entire decision-making community community or committee? Excellent. Well, this has been a, this has been a really interesting conversation. I love the work that you're doing as we round this out. Um, I just like to, you know, this is a sales and marketing alignment conversation here on the podcast. Where do you see the role of marketing in this and where do you see the role of sales in this and how can they work together to achieve results with personalized ABM? I think it has to be a group effort. It has to be whatever sales and marketings uh, are talking about has to be the same on both sides. So it's not that disjointed messaging. Maybe marketing's putting out one thing and then sales is talking to what they think or know better, maybe what their targets are um, or their target audience is in need of. I think it just needs to be the alignment across the board. And it can't be simply that marketing is handing over quote unquote leads to sales and then having sales figure it out on their own. I think it needs to be like a handshake. It's a team effort. So marketing is going to pass these leads to you, but we're going to know that they're qualified to your level because we've all had the same conversation throughout um, any messaging that we have, whether that's LinkedIn messaging, website messaging, or emails, that it's all um, consistent across the board. Yeah, I just going back to that earlier um, conversation about the difference between a campaign and engagement, I think a lot of the mindset is, you know, before sales is, you know, where are my leads and <laughs> leads are garbage and all that stuff. We're not, we already know who these accounts are. What we're looking for is points of engagement in these accounts. So let's, you know, salespeople, let's work with marketing when we get a point of engagement to high five and figure out how we can leverage that engagement to build a relationship, right? And that's um, that's a different mindset, I think, than a lot of uh, than than happens between a lot of sales and marketing organizations. Everyone thinks the handoffs, the lead. I love I love your idea of the handshake, <laughs> saying, "Hey, we had some engagement here. Let's strategize because we both want to get into this account or we want to expand in this account. Let's have a conversation about what we can do." to build on that point of engagement and uh, open these doors and build that trust. So beautiful. Well, hey, uh, Christina, I'm, I'm going to ask you as we look forward into 2021 um, here as we round off today, what it, advice or encouragement would you give to sales and marketing professionals as we're looking forward into this year? 
would tell them to make sure that they are thinking about everything they do at a strategic level. Make sure that if they're sending something out, is it relevant to the audience they're sending it to? Um, does it, it, will it resonate with them? And before you actually hit that send or um, you know, send out an email, make sure that what you're doing is actually achieving that common goal of revenue. Because if you're just sending it to send it or doing going through the motions, then you're just not going to achieve the same goal. So just think of it at a strategic level and that make sure that every interaction that you're having, think of it as a mini sales conversation and it'll make your life, I think a little easier um, moving forward. Oh, that's so good. Christina, thank you so much for sharing time with us today. I knew this was going to be a fun conversation and it didn't disappoint. So I appreciate all the work you're doing and thanks for, uh, thanks for being a champion for growth. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Daryl. Uh, awesome. And to everybody else, thank you so much uh, for also being champions of growth. You know, at the Revenue Growth Podcast, our commitment is to continue to bring you ideas and insights to help you move the needle. Right now, 2021 is a critical year for all of our organizations. And I just want to say a huge shout out to everybody in marketing, in sales, in leadership that is working to grow. Um, this is a critical time for our companies for our teammates, for our families, for our communities, and everyone out there is working together to create a profitable and sustainable future. I just want to say hats off to you. Thanks for all you're doing. We've got exciting news coming soon, so stay tuned. And until next week, let's get going and let's get growing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Would you like to get complimentary access to the Revenue Growth Engine audiobook? Just text the word revenue to 21,000 or go to revenuegrowthengine.com slash book. You'll get instant access to the audiobook so you can get ideas to help you grow your revenue so you can scale your impact. Text the word revenue to 21,000 or go to revenuegrowthengine.com slash book to get instant access. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you found ideas to help you drive exponential revenue growth so your business can make more of an impact. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, make sure to like or subscribe. It also helps us spread the word if you'd be kind enough to leave a review. Of course, we'd love it if you would share this with your friends. Together, we are growing revenue so we can scale our impact.